0: You're on the panel, RNZ National. Nice to be with you this afternoon. Wallace Chapman here. We have uh, Connor English and Moata Ta uh today on the show. Suburbs full of small townhouses have helped many struggling Kiwis find a home, but a new report by Salvation Army's Social Policy and Parliamentary Unit has revealed it's not all coming up roses. It turns out some of these suburbs are struggling to cater for the growth with housing intensification putting... A strain on infrastructure leading to issues with transport, overcrowding, and gangs. Essentially, we have been attempting to solve the housing crisis by building homes, not thriving communities. So, with us to discuss is Salvation Army social policy analyst and advocate Ana Ika Ana Kiora. Ana
1: oh, thank you for having me.
0: Pleasure. What were the key concerns this report raised?
1: Um, like you said, it was primarily around housing. We covered Westgate, Blenheim, petoni mean and across these areas, they all highlighted housing, but different areas of housing. Um, in Real Oak, for example, they talked about levels of overcrowding, housing unaffordability. Um, in Westgate, they talked about um, infilling of housing and housing intensification that wasn't matching the infrastructure or the um, healthcare and other facilities that were in Westgate. Uh, for Blenheim, for example, um, there was... Um, issues around housing availability um, and that created a cutthroat rental market and so you had locals talking about how they can see how easy it is for people to become homeless but across all four communities they did talk about how homelessness was becoming more visible in these areas.
0: Needless to say, uh, intensification is a pretty hot issue wherever you are these days, uh, be it in Christchurch uh, or Auckland or, or wherever, um, uh, part of uh, a renewed push to get people into their own homes across uh, the country. Uh, uh, are you against intensification?
1: Look, the, 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 what we've tried to highlight in the report is that. There's, a, there's absolutely a housing crisis and we need to build more houses to be able to address um, the rising levels of um, unaffordable housing and homelessness. But at the same time, there's no investment in towards toward community and how do we build community cohesion um, in the face of housing intensification? How do we continue to have community events? How do we continue to know who your neighbours are or continue to have those sense of communities and a sense right. of belonging in these communities um, in amongst the housing intensification that's
0: happening here. Well, this is interesting. Is this perhaps some of the unintended consequence of um, design, urban design, not done well? I mean, I know that area Westgate pretty well, what you're talking about. In fact, I had a look at there the other day, and the infill is quite striking. When you don't get the mix right, when you don't have enough, say, green spaces, um, uh, do some problems flow on from that?
1: yeah absolutely. um you know that was one of the solutions that the community was asking for in regards to how do we address um you know the dissipating community cohesion in amongst all this infilling of housing i mean it was by creating more parks it was about bringing um for Westgate particularly bringing it in in an aqu- aquatic center um creating more parks more green spaces for the community to be able to congregate be able to meet um be able to um yeah come together um and that's just not happening in amongst these houses um yeah, that's what the
0: report is showing. All right. Moata, your thoughts uh, on this, and I know that uh, Christchurch is grappling with this very, very same issue. you have any thoughts or questions here?
2: Well, I wonder if this is actually made worse by the fact that over the course of, of my lifetime, what's happened is we've actually chipped away at neighbourhoods. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you had the local butcher, you had the local oh. pharmacy, you had your post office. We used to have a lot more schools. I saw an article earlier this week and it was saying, oh, you know um – um so many kids are getting dropped dropped off at um, school in cars and we always used to walk to school. But the, the thing is, we closed a lot of schools. So you're less likely to be in walking distance to a school or to a post office or to a small supermarket because now all the supermarkets are these big box um, places attached to malls or they're, you know, sort of on the edge of town. Um, so it's like we've created the situation. And when I say we, I guess I mean the magic that is market forces have Create like chipped away at what used to be actually pretty livable communities and neighborhoods where you had um, local provision of services, and we don't really have that anymore. You kind of have to go all the way to a mall or um, a city centre to get some of the stuff. Um, so I don't, you know, I I, I agree with what. Anna saying, "I don't think it's the intensification itself that's a problem. It's it's that we don't we haven't actually created communities that people can thrive okay. in, and that they can walk to things.
0: Is that because fair? you can't walk
2: to it? And you need a car, and then you need yeah. someone to put the car. You know,
0: you need to drive to Costco, for example. Exactly. <laughs> uh, is does does uh, does um, Moata have a point, there, Anna that?" Um, you know these communities now they've shrivelled in one sense you know your local bookshop your local florist or your local grocer there uh, have been extracted you drive everywhere now, hence you've got these issues
1: yeah absolutely i would um you know I would agree with much of this um you know a lot of um a lot of local local businesses and small businesses that have been um you know taken out of the market um, just cuz they they can't survive and so you know that has repercussions um for local communities to be able to know who the local dairy owner is or um or, or those things that you know we took for granted growing up but nowadays it's it's really rare to know um who who the shopkeeper is up the road um, and so again it comes back to that sense of community, a sense of belonging and knowing um who, who your who your neighbours are, um, that's that's getting lost in amongst all of this um housing intensification. Um so how do we ensure that um that community cohesion continues um in amongst us building more houses for our communities?
3: Connor? Uh yeah, look I, I agree with the view that <clears throat> You know, as 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 we're losing the little villages, if you like, um, and within the cities, but also in the towns uh, and the countryside, uh, where you know schools are closing or garages are closing or the the corner dairy's closing, um, that was a gathering point for people. And if you go back a couple of hundred years, it would be the waterhole where people, you know, watered their horse, so to speak. Um, But but I think things can be done, like in the street that we're in. We have a a street party once a once a year, where we went, you know it's sort of a, a progressive, uh, progressive lunch on a Sunday, oh, and yeah. uh, nice. you know you do know a few of your neighbours, but you have to make an effort to know your neighbours. Mm. And, and I think um, you know we sort of teenagers when it's come to this intensification thing. Um, you know, if you look at say the state like New York or London or whatever, you know, we've got a couple of kids over there living in you know um, small um, apartments and big buildings. Um, I'm not sure how many of their neighbours they know, but I suspect our kids will because they're used to looking out and um, talking to the person next to them. Uh, But I wonder whether in some of these new intensive um, houses, whether people have that culture of... You know, it's nice to get to know your neighbour rather than. What would
0: you What would you say to that, Anna? That there there has to be some. I'm not going to say responsibility on the parts of the tenants there or the owners, um, but some sort of um, um, community focus or push um, to actually get people together, like Connor does in his uh, neighbourhood.
1: I think it comes down to resource. Um, I mean, accessing those types of resources um or the ability to be able to do that. Um I guess a lot of the community that the Salvation Army works with they don't necessarily have um you, you know the, the, the ability to be able to pull something like that together without um getting support um from outside their from you know outside their streets. Um so yeah it comes it comes back to being able to be resourced to be able to do that um collectively as as a street or as a community. Um and often that's that and then also um also, we highlighted in the report um, in regards to low wages um, and employment, I mean, people nowadays, particularly in the communities that we work, are really time poor, as well as, you know, living in financial hardship, but they often don't have the necessity of time to be able um, to bring something like that together. Um, yeah, and so, so there, there, there are challenges there, but that's definitely, um, yeah, that's definitely a solution okay. that we highlighted in the report around creating community engagement.
3: But I I think people actually do have a responsibility, Wallace. I mean, you have a responsibility, I think, to say hello to your neighbour. And some people choose not to do that. And that's why you go to some streets and you've got no idea who's in the street. Uh, You know, it doesn't actually take resource. It just takes an attitude that says, hey, um, maybe my neighbours are nice people. I should get to know them a bit more.
0: Yeah, um, but building a cohesive community is more than just saying, get out of your neighbour, though, Connor, isn't it? That's well, what we're talking well, about. You know, I you know, disagree you are with you. Ti- if you are, well, no. Um, if you are time poor and you're waking up at 5am uh, to, get to, your, to g- get to your job before the, the, the sun's turned out, you don't have that uh, time even to say a hi to your neighbour. Well, I'm just sort of going, to disagree, right. I yep. going to disagree
3: with you. I am going to disagree with you. I think you've got the wrong attitude. All right. I think you hey. need to get a better attitude on, <laughs> on your neighbours. Know, hey, fair
0: enough, Connell, you child, Wallace. You should. Fair
3: you don't you don't need a government department to come and get a cohesive blooming community in a street for goodness' sake.
0: All right. Hey, well, um, Anna. Um, um, uh, on another subject, though, because you've taken aim at. Um, uh, no garages right people are not driving or no facility to be able to park your cars but um the, the, the world is it not is turning away from driving you go to places like hobsonville point you know the the, the the new way is actually building nicely designed intensified places without your car parks without your garages and here you folks are saying hey bring them back
1: Yeah, well, um, for a lot of the the locals that we talk to, um, there's not a lot of um, quality employment with good wages in their community, and so there's a requirement for them to be able to access their jobs, uh, wherever it may be, and it's not in those local communities. Um, And then because of the housing intensification infrastructure hasn't been able to keep up, particularly public transport, when we're looking at Westgate, there's no direct buses that go to the city. There's no train lines that go um, out there. And and if, if our communities need to get out to be able to work at five in the morning then they need their vehicles because there's no other alternative options and so it's not about um you know ensuring that there's car parks if you're going to take car parks away then provide public transport that's adequate for that community so that they could get out to their um, place of employment or get out to the area that they need to go to um yes yeah
0: Lovely to have you on the programme, Ana. Kia ora. Uh That is Ana Ikim, uh, Salvation Army Social Policy Analyst. Oh, seriously, Wallace, you don't need resources to greet your neighbour. Well, I'm just saying um, you, you do. You put, put together a little committee put, and, and, and call it the Friendship Committee. Uh, a, 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 and you meet once a month, don't you, Connor? And you organise um, social gatherings like that. You have a little committee. You put things together well.
3: Well, you know, you you set yours up and give us a yell, and I'll come along and uh, have a gin and tonic with you.
0: 19 pass for the panel. Now, Costco has opened its first store in New Zealand. It's in Westgate, Auckland talking about Westcate earlier too, weren't we? The world's third largest retailer has been billed as something of a game-changer. Yes, you pay a subscription, but prices are generally cheaper, especially if you're looking to buy in bulk. But it is a more unusual offering to your usual supermarket. Will it make a difference? Will it even make a dent to me? Does it matter that I can buy five kilograms of rice cheaper or six kilograms of capers? Goods include food and grocery items, clothing, electronics, furniture and more. With us to discuss who surely has run his eye over this is Chris Wilkinson, Managing Director of Consultants Group First Retail Group. Kia ora, Chris.
4: Kia ora Wallace, how are you?
0: I'm very, very well. So what will the conversations be in the boardrooms of the two big grocery companies today?
4: They won't be any different than they were yesterday. These Hmm. businesses know Costco. They've they've spent a lot of time looking at them. In many ways, Costco is in a different space than foodstuffs and Countdown. So we think it will be complementary to what's there right now.
0: So I was going to ask you, is it going to make a difference? Is it going to make a difference to me, Chris, who doesn't shop at Costco?
4: No, you've hit the nail on the head before. This is all about bulk purchasing. But what it can do, of course, is tie communities together. You know, just in that previous conversation, what we might see is that cul de get together and it will head down to Costco and buy products in bulk because that's where there will be savings achieved.
0: Who's going to go there? I mean, I know there's, uh, in fact, uh, by the way, motorists are warning of significance at Congestion. So, you know, first I open, people are pa- packing into it. But who's going to go there? It's members only, 60 bucks a year, whatever. There are a few people that seem to just really love it, like addicted to it. It's, but it's a subscriber model. This is not the way we shop, Chris.
4: No, it's not. But it's an experience, and people are hungry for difference. They love this. It's an entertainment. There's a lot of theatre about this, just in terms of its scale. It's stuff we haven't seen before. And and also, there are products we haven't seen before. And that's something that really fascinates and draws people in.
0: Okay. Moata, would you be tempted, if you had a Costco in uh, your neck of the woods, to pay that money and go along and buy a 10kg jar of sun-dried olives or tomatoes? Um,
2: I, I, I want to start by saying, if if you're after a theatre experience, and go to the theatre. They're really struggling at the moment. I know a lot of people <laughs> who work in entertainment, and um, yeah, just buy tickets and go to the actual theatre rather than Costco. Um, I I won't be. I can't see me um, biking home with the what <laughs> the fifty pack of toilet paper balanced on my um, the rear um, carrier of my bike. Um, I, I think. You know, yeah, yeah, this is going to appeal to a certain kind of person—somebody okay. who likes to get bargains, um, somebody who has a car, and and presumably space to store these bulk items. Because I don't know about you, but you know, when we went into lockdown and everybody was fi- buying five kilogram bags of flour,
0: no space. Yeah, <laughs> there's no space. I mean, this <laughs> is cut the this... whole
2: bottom of the pantry. <clears throat> yeah. So So, um, you know, like for people who who have. Have storage, they've got all the transport, and you know yep, yeah, that might appeal to them, but for everyday shoppers i'm not I'm not really sure.
0: yeah, I uh, stay there, Chris, let's bring in Connor. Uh, yeah, but well, look, I think um my art is exactly right it's
3: it's the logistics of of um, doing the shopping, but if you can get savings of you know whatever it is ten twenty percent, um that is going to be a big incentive uh, and particularly for those right. you know larger households, um, you know it adds up.
0: yeah, Chris
4: we yeah, can't be dismissive of the fact that we've got economic headwinds there right now.
1: Mm.
0: Most
4: mm. consumers are feeling these. People are being strategic in how they're buying products. We're going to see further challenges around um, uh, fuel and, and electricity costs. So all of these things will mean that people will be looking for alternatives, and, uh, and this will be one of those that they can, mm. they can consider. Don't we already have Gilmore's, Chris? We do, and Mills doesn't charge a, uh, a fee, nor does more Wilsons in Wellington. So, yes, there are those options. They've been coming increasingly popular in recent years as those businesses have become even more retail-focused.
0: I can see, Chris, now why they are the world's third largest retailer. They are. They have a little bit of a following, don't they? I mean, uh, we've just got some examples coming through. Now, Wallace, people in the U.S. used to say the same thing. Now, everyone goes to Costco and only Costco. Uh, Another one here, we were Costco members in London. It was great for school events, galas and bog buying. You do need storage though. Another one here, we loved Costco in the US. Uh, I loved buying in bolt, shopping once a month, save petrol, such and Mm. such. So um, Chris, they clearly have uh, done their research and seen okay. So there is a market in Aotearoa.
4: Yeah, it is a phenomenon. Costco is a phenomenon, and it will be successful wherever it lands in the world.
0: Yeah. All right, very good. Thank you, Chris. Uh, That's Chris Wilkinson, the Managing Director of Consultancy Company First Retail Group. Won't be for me, though. I'm not into it. Uh, I uh, like uh, my local uh, supermarket, Mawata. um, And we are lucky, uh, speaking of that, uh, that local, we are very, very lucky to live in a little area in Auckland, which still has those little wee shops like a florist or your little grocery shop, and I try and support local whenever I can.
2: I don't think there's anything wrong with like doing two or three grocery shops a week. If you just grabbing you a reckon? few things, yeah. yeah, and and if you live really, if it's really close by and convenient, then you can do that. I'm, I'm, I don't know. There's a sense that we have to like, like buy all the things all yep. at once and only go to the supermarket like once a week or a fortnight or even month. I think you know just buy small amounts at a time. You know, it won't go off. Yes, not, you know, yeah. yeah.
0: Now, uh, by the way, um, there's been a big response regarding making connections, uh, both in neighbourhoods and uh, in areas of higher intensification. very interested in uh, what Connor said, that it doesn't cost anything to say g'day. Um, uh, Rachel says, in Europe, where there are large apartment blocks, they sometimes have the ground floor dedicated to things like a pharmacy, doctor, supermarket. This provides Mm -hmm. employment and a gathering place. How about the big developers being pushed to include socially responsible centres in their developments? Interesting, Rachel. Uh, sorry, Connor, it's not that easy when you have neighbours' property changing hands seven times in as many years. They Then becomes tenanted, the tenants are almost transient, not like 40 years ago when your neighbour had been in the same home since World War II. Well, people are a bit more transient, I guess, aren't they, in, in some places. Yeah. Uh, Wallace, we have made the effort to know our neighbours next to us and across the road. This includes welcome baking when someone new moves in. Mm. Do people still yep. do that?
3: Yeah. Who? you mean, you don't. Who does that? No. Do, do you not do that, Wallace?
0: No. Oh, I'm I'm do, shocked. Do, do Do you do that? Well, have done that. Would, yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, No, I would. Some good scones? Baked scones? I'd knock on the door and say hello, but I would never um, do baking. Uh, Also, passing out eggs. We live in Kingsland. Um, We also, pre COVID, hosted a barbecue in January with invites going to neighbours. It creates great connections. Wonderful stuff. Uh, 27 past four, Connor English and Moata Tamaida with me today. Now, be honest with me. If your phone rings, do you nonchalantly pick up the phone and answer it? Or do you look at your phone ringing aghast and try and ignore it? Because what can't be said in a text, am I right? Well, this item came to my attention. It's called Call Declined, Why Generation Z Won't Pick Up the Phone. One psychologist said Gen Z is just at the vanguard of a more general evolution going on to say that uh, this is becoming the new trend not answering the phone not me I answer it every single time I love answering my phone what are you do, Mawada?
2: um if someone's calling me it's probably my mum <laughs> So uh, if, if it's convenient to answer, then I will. But, you know, it's, uh, this is the thing with mobile phones. is yeah. that, You know, sometimes it's when you're in a meeting or, you know, you're, you're in an environment where you don't want to have a conversation in front of everyone. So, um, but, you know, I grew up in a time when there was no text messages. You know, so we we couldn't text, but if I could have, I'm sure I would have
0: are you, are you sure, but don't you miss those times of actually uh, the phone ringing, and you don't know who it's going to be? It's got that air of anticipation. Could it be a person you really want to hear from? could it be um, your doctor? could it be from someone from the local church?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, when I was a child, I had a lot of anxiety about answering the phone. I just refused right. to do it. Well, okay.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. so. Connor, what about you?
3: Uh, yeah, well, I, I answer my phone, but as Moata says, when it's convenient, if you're in the middle of something or a conversation or a meeting or whatever, you're not going to, so then you do the wee pretext that the phones have these days you say, "Oh, you know, I'll ring you back um, shortly. But probably do do a heck of a lot of texting that previously uh, never used to do and I think it's one of the things about COVID which was actually I quite enjoyed was that because you knew everyone was at home and not at the office and you weren't going to bother them is actually instead of texting I did ring people and instead of doing a 30-second text you'd end up having a 30-minute conversation and that um, was that's cool, it was, though, wasn't it it? See, that,
0: isn't it? not that great, though? You see, yeah. you never know what you're going to get when you pick up the phone. That's uh, right. You could get a nice chat, uh, and it's all about um, uh, uh, kind of reconnecting again. Yeah. Not just an impersonal
4: text.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the other great thing now with phones is you've got the video element of it, and you can see people's faces, and that, that makes a massive difference, too. Yeah.
0: Very good indeed. Uh, You're on the panel. My Z National with uh, Moata and Connor today Uh, to come. We are going to be talking about a petition presented to Parliament today urging MPs to pass the Alcohol Harm Reduction Bill uh, and other things. We are talking about anti-bullying as well as part of an anti-bullying programme that is doing great things, apparently. It's 4.30. It's time for headlines.